Could a progressive activist organization that may be responsible for the conservative purge from social media also have a connection to a New Mexico compound used by Islamic extremists to train children to commit school shootings? We'll discuss up next on The Adrian Slade Show. The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show. Welcome to the show. I'm Adrian Slade. You know, social media platforms have decided to target a litany of people who don't completely follow the progressive left's talking points. Consistency, it's not even being attempted in regards to how treatment is applied. In one incident, an Asian female progressive journalist who made numerous racist tweets about Caucasian people, just despised white people, white privilege, all that crap. Yeah, she was hired by the New York Times. The same New York Times that the same journalist made threats and lashed out against in social media posts, saying she can't wait to sue them and all of this nonsense. So you've got this side, the Democrat privilege side, the progressive left, who is allowed to spout off whatever BS they want, and they will be hired by the New York Times, regardless of the fact that they defame the New York Times in their own social media accounts. You know? But that was rebutted by an African-American conservative activist who took her actual tweets, took the progressive Asian female journalist actual tweets and just changed the race in order to show the hypocrisy. And you know what happened to her? She wasn't hired by the Washington Post or anything. No. She was actually suspended from Twitter for about 12 hours. Now, as someone like myself who has been suspended from Twitter for 12 hours in the past, only once, you know, I'm not one of these guys that goes off the handle, but it was a stupid remark. Uh, It wasn't a stupid remark by myself. The remark that was made towards me was stupid, and I replied in kind, and, you know, of course, because I'm on the conservative side, I'm the one that gets the blacklist. But... I'm going to give Twitter the benefit of the doubt, especially with with how they're handling our favorite uh, conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones. Now, the person I'm talking about here is obviously Candace Owens. And more than likely, Candace Owens, black female conservative activist, she probably was trying to show the hypocrisy and some of the leftists that follow her waiting for her to make a mistake were probably the first to report her. And more than likely, Twitter didn't do their due diligence to dig up the old tweets of Sarah Zhang, who is the Asian progressive, anti-white progressive journalist hired by the New York Times. They probably just saw her tweets and said, you know what, let's go ahead and, and take her out. So, you know, I can understand that. It was probably the same left wing Antifa fools who chased Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA out of a breakfast joint. We're called because we're eating breakfast and we happen to be conservative. They're not Nazis, they're soft fascists. They're the soft fascists. They're not Nazis. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy your capitalist breakfast. Filming? This is crazy. So, ready? One, two, three! Four, five, six! The bourgeoisie! 
listen to that garbage. One, two, three, F the bourgeoisie. Four, five, six. Ah, we don't have anything that rhymes with six. They couldn't even make it rhyme. They remarkably enough were able to count, although they had to take a break after three to throw in some mundane statement, but it was so great to hear them scream, F white supremacy at a black female. Love that. Just makes total sense in the world. And I love the comeback. Enjoy your capitalist breakfast. Kudos to Kirk on that one. And it's even better when they begin to open the floor for discussions on what is wrong with big government? Uh, yeah, that's the bourgeoisie there, honey. We can talk about big government and its failures all day long. You better pack some sandwiches at that breakfast joint because we're going to go into lunch and dinner on that conversation. But these attacks are regular in the public square. You know, we've got people getting kicked out of restaurants. We get people that are being uh, attacked at their and confronted at their home. You know, Betsy DeVos has her boat unhooked and sent out into the ocean. I mean, these are the attacks that they're doing, and now they're doing it online. Alex Jones and his InfoWars outlet was removed from every social media platform available. Now, I've listened to Alex Jones before. He's a little nutty. You know, I don't really agree with everything he says. I think about the time that he said that Monica Lewinsky was an Israeli uh, spy and that his dishwasher was spying on him. I, I was kind of done. But you know what? He's allowed to say what he wants to say if he's not inciting riots, if he's not causing revolution. You know, he's basically just kind of getting people up in arms over what the media is not reported. Hey, let him go do that. If he's going to go around talking about, you know, the, the water fluoride making the frogs gay and, you know, he's probably going to talk about that story I saw the other day about the FDA taking aborted fetal tissue and feeding it to rats to try to humanize their uh, their immune system. Believe it or not, that's a real story. I'm sure he'll cover that, too, because he's covered the humanoid uh, fish, you know, with the gills and everything. It made him cry. But he got canned from LinkedIn. How do you get canned from LinkedIn? You might as well have been banned from freaking Pinterest. I mean, no more knitted Afghans of gay frogs on Pinterest from Alex Jones anymore. And Amazon is interfering with his, his visibility of his male vitality tree bark supplements, you know. But here's what's happening with social media. A group of people meet up in a virtual coffee house. Somebody buys coffee, some doesn't. You know, they, they, some of them are engaging in commerce there. Some aren't. And they all begin having a conversation. And then one person starts to talk about the Illuminati and the gay frogs. And then the landlord walks in and kicks his ass out. I mean, it's almost as if somebody by the name of, let's say, Alexa Schmuckabee Joanders walked into a restaurant with a group of friends to eat. And a server sees them, doesn't like their viewpoints or with whom they're associated with, and then calls the owner up to inform them, hey, we got these fascist dining in your establishment. And then the owner comes into the restaurant and proceeds to boot him out. Well, it is their business. But it is our business to refuse to dine there, to refuse to engage in commerce there, and to let our friends know why we don't dine there and why they shouldn't either. So what happens if social media decides it doesn't like metal music? You know, if, if, do, or, do they ban every metal band's presence on its platform? And then should government mandate which styles of music are acceptable to be hosted online? Will the fans of metal music bail on the platform altogether? And then, if you build a social media platform for metal bands, which kind of reach, what kind of reach are you actually going to have to passive listeners or those you might be able to ensnare with your echo chamber? I mean, that's it. Hardly at all. 
you're going to have a metal music echo chamber online. I would think the same would be true with social media and conservatism. I would think that if social media platforms were worried about ostracizing a huge chunk of its users, like the voters in 2016, at their own financial expense, then this is our only check to their balance of overreach. Unless you build a platform that is so ambiguous, so apolitical, but so innovative that it attracts teams of users based on its amenities, you might be able to shake the paradigm. But sooner or later, the jackbooted Media Matters thugs will put their fascistic boot on its neck. Now, I'm not an Alex Jones fan, obviously, or an InfoWars proponent, but as the one Dan Bongino says, new rules, guys, we have new rules. While we were playing principled capitalist, media matters, leftist activist, and social justice warriors were weaponizing social media against us in time for the midterm elections in defense of their vapid platforms that they can't win on, as you just saw the other night with all the Ocasio-Cortez socialist losing. Once you see that Media Matters has colluded with Google, YouTube, Facebook, Apple iTunes to fight conservative speech and realize that they're under the umbrella of an organization like Democracy Alliance, who we'll get into in a little bit, and also linked to Indivisible, which is the Antifa wing, you know they don't want to just win politically. They want to stomp you out. They want to eradicate you from existence. And you must use the political tools available to defeat them. They, ha- they have the resolve to politically you know, pummel, and we have to have the resolve to pummel back. But don't be suckered into this big, big Alex Jones targeting trick. They chose him for a reason, to get conspiracy theorists and Democrats who have backed Trump to tune, that have tuned into Jones to push for, oh, the government's got to do something, government intervention. That's the wrong route. And if, what happens if government does intervene? And then we get a return to a Manchurian, uh, conservative-hating, patriot-hating, American-hating president down the road. They will use the power and the brute force of government to destroy opposing opinions, and there will be no conservative alternative to retreat to. Your voice, your influence won't even be allowed on Reddit. It won't be allowed on 4chan. It won't even be allowed on 8chan. You will have nothing. The free market must work this out. And the free market is the only solution to this. Back in a second. This is Adrian Slade. Adrian Slade Broadcast. Welcome back. So we're watching this purge. You know, this crusade against conservatism. It's the new crusades. The excommunication of conservatism from all of social media. We're watching this happen, and the question always comes up, so what do we do about it? I mean, where do we go? Realize we're in the midst of a market shift, and it's not always pretty. When markets um, open up, when, when products fail or brands decide to destroy themselves, they open up the market, but the problem is you have to have somebody fill it. And you know what? It's not always instantaneous. You know, you got to realize the capitalist market system will eventually fill it, but in between there's going to be some period of discomfort. You know, sometimes it happens immediately, sometimes it's slow. But a market share has obviously been offered up. And the free market can fill it. But someone unique, someone innovative has to fill the gap. And we're in the paradox in, in real time. I mean, the problem that we've created as conservatives is that, first of all, we blindly assumed that in the beginning, we believed these businesses were acting in good faith. 
being consistent, being stewards of their customer base, their users. And then many conservative media outlets use them as a component, as an additional or a main revenue driver for their brand. Once our monetization was tethered to these businesses, we grew comfortable with the equal treatment, thinking equal treatment would stay in play while money was being made. But once the progressive power brokers noticed that these conservative outlets were effective, it was time to force their will upon the tech companies. The force of their power was pushed upon them. Algorithms were changed. Site clicks died because of it. Conservative media was crippled. I mean, look at Independent Journal Review. They had to cut most of its staff because of the fact that they uh, had this attack on the algorithm. The Blaze, you know, they ended up cutting their size down too. A lot of these businesses did so. You know, look at Benjamin Owen getting demonetized from YouTube. You know, look at Steven Crowder. They demonetized him. Luckily, CRTV picked him up. But that's the thing is we relied, you know, we, we as individuals went to these outlets and it was a smart thing to do because you can raise revenue and then turn it into your life's work so that you can focus on it. Make that the bread and butter for your family. The problem is it was based on the dependency of an organization that we thought was going to be impartial. But that wasn't the case. You know, others put content on YouTube that gained an audience. They were demonetized and suffered the financial spoils of having the main source of income be provided by somebody else. Self-sustainability should never be ignored, but the government regulation should never become the equalizer to any of this either. The free market will eventually fill the void, even if we go through a season of darkness. But realize it will take a strong arbiter of liberty to make it viable, to keep it viable. Because once, you know, you're going to have to have somebody who has a strong focus on liberty across the board that has the innovation, that has something that's going to attract, you know, a clientele. Say it's something like, you know, the way Snapchat arose. What if that person was a complete, staunch, free market, liberty minded person who didn't want to inject his politics into his platform, didn't want to ostracize its users? Well, we would have somewhere to go. But you got to realize once a platform rises and gets to that level of popularity to fill the market void, Media Matters is going to show up to shove its fascistic boot upon its neck because the progressives cannot win on the battlefield of ideas. They have to wreck the actual field itself. And the left will claim that they're only credible ones to deliver the real news when they've been the arbiters of fake news all along. And how is it the blue media check marks, the, the blue check marks on Twitter, the media journalist, how is it they're unable to figure out what fake news actually is? I see it all the time. They're offended. They're not making the connection as to why they're fake news. They don't understand why Donald Trump is saying that fake news is the enemy of the people. And then they get bent out of shape about it. And then they start screaming, oh, it's First Amendment, freedom of press. Well, guess what? You're not doing your job. And how is it that we're able to know this? Well, let's see. Let's, let's go down a list of ideas and a list of items that show that you're fake news. I mean, all right, number one, do you leave out pertinent details from your reporting? That's fake news. Do you give softball interviews with your political heroes simply because they align with your party preference? You know, what's your favorite color? Oh, you like hot sauce? Yeah, that's fake news. When a politician is embroiled in a scandal 
but that politician aligns with your political party and your political affiliation? Do you fail to report their political affiliation in the news story? Yeah, that's fake news. If your political idols commit unethical behavior, like, say, diddling interns with stogies on, under the Resolute desk, and it doesn't concern you one bit, but then suddenly your morals reemerge because someone from the other political party has an issue with infidelity? Yeah, that's fake news. How about if a 20-year-old drug-dealing gangbanger, drug-slinging thug, motions for pulling a weapon while being apprehended by the police and he's shot and killed? And then you go on, new, on the news and call them unarmed and post a picture of them when they were like freaking nine years old? You know, one of their, their uh, middle school photos? Yeah, that's fake news. Do you pretend to be harassed? at a political rally and then have your narrative deflated when videos emerge of you taking selfies with the crowd, yucking it up and getting your narcissistic ego stroked to death. Yeah, that's fake news. Do you lighten the complexion of patriots at a limited government rally to, the, and act as though no, morale, uh, mor, no minorities were even in, in attendance? Yeah, that's fake news. Did you report about the oppression and bigotry of a Muslim kid whose science project was, ah, it's just the clock. I can't believe he got kicked out of school over a clock, only to see later that the clock is hidden inside a case and looks oddly enough like an IED? Yeah, that's fake news. Lots of fake news going on there. How about do you uh, report that a terrorist attack in San Bernardino against people celebrating a Christmas party was a shooting, ah, you know, a couple miles near a Planned Parenthood? Yeah, that's fake news. Or how about if you say that, you know, a Muslim terrorist was going into a mall in New Jersey to shoot the place up. Oh, he's Hispanic, or maybe he's African-American instead of actually being Middle Eastern. Fake news again. I can go on and on. But you know what? Once you realize that this is where your stances are, I mean, you're not misreporting. You're not getting the facts out too early and not getting the total story later and making it up on the back end, you're simply narrative crafting. And it always points to a narrative. And so we have to look at the fact that, you know, these organizations out there are trying to shut down free speech. You know, here's some interesting developments regarding this tech purge. How a little background information on the personable, the person responsible for the pointed attack on the crazy male vitality Alex Jones guy, how he got canned. Jarrett Holt works for George Soros's website, Right Wing Watch. And it says on its about page, the Soros funded group is the project of People for the American Way, PFAW, dedicated to monitoring and exposing the activities of rhetoric of right wing activists and organizations in order to expose their extreme agenda. People for the American Way says it is a progressive advocacy organization founded to fight right-wing extremism and to defend the constitutional values, including free expression. From Salon, they were talking to Je uh, Jared Holt. He said, the timing isn't random. In recent weeks, a group of progressive activists have dialed up efforts to pressure these distribution platforms to drop InfoWars. That pressure, which comes at a time when court proceedings against Jones have finally begun in, in earnest and created the momentum that led to the decision. This has been mentioned in passing in much of the coverage, but these folks deserve more credit and recognition for the work they've been doing in trying to fight right-wing disinformation campaigns. He basically brought it up to Spotify and all these other tech 
organizations to drop Alex Jones podcast, which led to demonetization and the banning of Facebook and other social media outlets. And there's more. Media Matters has been on this campaign. On the dark web, there's a document that we talked about in an earlier podcast that we're going to go over in a bit that shows they've attacked the tech companies and they're under the umbrella of a Democrat activist juggernaut called Democracy Alliance. Don't forget, you can always tweet at the show at Adrian Slade Show on Twitter or at Rants Out Loud. And you can also email me any show content ideas, Show at gmail.com. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. So originally I was going to cover the crazy story of the driver, the assistant to the Senator and Senate Intelligence Committee member, Diane Feinstein. Her driver or assistant was outed as a Chinese spy, somebody that was with her for about 20 years. And even though her husband made bank over the same length of time, 20 years with dealings with China, it's something that needs to be covered. But we're going to cover that on next week's show because I'm going to cover it in great detail. I mean, once, you know, once I found out about it, I started digging in. But then another story broke that made me want to put this show out first. And this is what was happening with what's going on in New Mexico. And going to the Feinstein thing, I'll be able to show you connecting some dots into a bigger picture about how some more insidious and insane components are all involved with what I like to call the real foreign political intervention, Chinese collusion with both sides of the aisle. But the story in New Mexico kind of takes precedent because to me, it's the biggest story. And you wonder, oh, what do you mean, Mr. Slade? What, what's the big story? Well, listen to this. A father of a, three, a missing three-year-old who was arrested at a New Mexico compound linked to extremist Muslims was training children to commit school shootings, court documents filed revealed. Prosecutors allege... Sirhaj Wahal, 39, was conducting weapons training on the compound where 11 children were found hungry and living in squalor. Wahaj is the son of a Brooklyn imam, also named Sirhaj Wahaj, who was named by prosecutors as an unindicted co-conspirator in the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. That's what the New York Post reported. Authorities raided the compound after a month-long search investigating the disappearance of Abdul Ghani Wahaj. That was a boy with serious medical issues who went missing from Georgia in December. Now, the dad was arrested at the extremist New Mexico compound because he planned an exorcism. Actually, it was kind of a, it's an Islamic kind of ridding of of Western culture and, and Western medicine or something to that degree, but it wasn't exactly an exorcism. You know, the, the news media kind of wants you to say, oh, compound, New Mexico, guns, must be a right winger. Oh, exorcism, must be a Christian. No, it's kind of like when they say, oh, he was out there and he took out everybody, but before he did it, he said, God is great. We've debunked that on the past that Allah Akbar doesn't mean God is great, okay? They're trying to meld Christianity and Islam and, you know, Buddhism and all these different religions into one religion because they all must, you know, pray to the same God. You just call God, you know, God, and they call him Allah. Now, that's not how it works at all. Completely different. But going back to the article, Lucas Morton, Janae Lavelle, 35, Hajra Wahaj, 38, and Subhana Wahaj, 
So a lot of Wahajas in there were also arrested on the property on Friday and all faced uh, charges of child abuse. The makeshift compound located near the Colorado border was found shielded by old tires, wooden pallets, and other debris. I heard it kind of looked like a paintball course. Upon arrival of the authorities, Wahaj was heavily armed with an AR-15, five loaded 30-round magazines, and four loaded pistols, including one in his pocket when he was taken down, the sheriff said. The sheriff said the children ages 1 to 15 looked like third-world country refugees, not only with no food or fresh water, but with no shoes, personal hygiene, and basically dirty rags for clothing. The only food investigators found were potatoes and a box of rice inside the dirty trailer. And he said previously that the occupants of the compound were, quote, most likely heavily armed and considered extremists of the Muslim belief. Now, it's interesting when you get into, you know, Sirhaj Wahaj family's uh, background because it was already controversial. You know, in addition to his father reportedly being named as a uh, by prosecutors as the unindicted co-conspirator of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, Elder Wahaj, who heads the Mashid al-Taqwa Mosque, was a character witness for the trial for Sheikh Omar Abdel Raham, the notorious blind sheikh who was convicted in 1995 of plotting terror attacks in the United States. And Sirhaj Wahaj has quite a few admirers. He has an admirer that we all have talked about quite a bit, Linda Sarsour. Yep, the Women's March organizer, the one who said she wants to wage jihad against the Trump administration, the one who also helped give support to the Parkland shooting March for Our Lives, the one who also, um, she spoke in an event that was affiliated with the Muslim Brotherhood and CARE. Yeah, she also spoke Democracy Alliance, which we're going to get into in a bit. And if you've followed this program for the last year or so, you know I bring up Democracy Alliance quite a bit. She also endorsed who we talked about the other uh, couple shows back, Abdul El Saeed, the Michigan governorship race that he failed to clinch, thankfully, the other night. And there are nearly 90 Muslim candidates running for office across the United States this year, according to Laura Loomer from Big League Politics. Two of the most high-profile along Abdul Al-Sayed include Ilhan Omar and Keith Ellison, which we talked about Keith Ellison and the Muslim Brotherhood affiliation in the past. Ilhan Omar is currently a representative for the Democrat Framer Labor Party of Minnesota House of Representatives, and she is running for Congress to take over Keith Ellison's seat in Minnesota's 5th Congressional District. Omar, who is a Muslim immigrant from Somalia, has a history of making anti-Jewish remarks and has been endorsed and supported by some of the nation's most notorious Jewish haters. Along with being pro-Hamas, Omar is also close friends with Linda Sarsour. In November, Omar traveled to Dearborn, Michigan, Dearbornistan, where she participated in political events with Sarsour, a rabid anti-Semite and pro-Hamas mouthpiece. Besides being an ardent supporter of Hamas and CARE, both of which are Islamic terrorist organizations. Sarsour herself often tweets about her hatred for Israel, Zionism, and her desires to implement Sharia law in the United States. Sarsour has also endorsed Omar's campaign. Now, we've talked about her on previous shows. All podcasts available still at this time for what we know before we get yanked like everyone else. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spreaker, iHeart, Spotify, and various other platforms 
We talked about how the Women's March leader, Linda Sarsour, was claiming that her favorite person in the room was Sirhaj Wahab. This is actually something I posted on adriansladeshow.com back on July 7th of last year. Listen to this. <laughs> Organizer of the Women's March in the Pink Punani Hat and Free Palestine Parade that occurred back in January, Linda Sarsour is back in the headlines. Courtney Love Cobain's favorite Sharia activist, go look that up, Courtney Cobain and her got in a huge Twitter war, gave a speech at the annual Islamic Society of North America Convention, the ISNA. The INSA, or ISNA, is an outgrowth of the Muslim Students Association, which is a Muslim Brotherhood entity. At the convention, she called for a plethora of intriguing bullet points. She started out by thanking Sirhaj Wahab, whom she considered a mentor. She actually even had a 40-minute Facebook Live town hall where Sarsour and Wahaj sat down and had a discussion which was moderated by Mahid Hassan. As it turns out, Mr. Wahaj is an interesting mentor as he appeared on a list of the unindicted co-conspirators, uh, co-conspirators in the trial of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing, as we talked about earlier. He also predicted the demise of America unless it accepted Islamic agenda. He further stated that Muslims should be involved in politics, not because it's the American thing to do. You get into politics because politics are a weapon you can use in order to further Islam. Wow, it's amazing. Sarsour, um, you know, not only a fangirl of the sexist, racist, bigot Louis Farrakhan, she was also a regular guest speaker at conventions hosted by Democracy Alliance, our favorite revolutionary, anti-conservative activist club, the nexus of every fascistic event before the inauguration of President Trump. We're going to get into a lot with Democracy Alliance because they have an insidious background. First of all, Matthew Vadim, senior vice president of the Washington-based Capital Research Center, said he found an indirect link with hedge fund manager and liberal philanthropist George Soros, who is a part of Democracy Alliance. Soros is a major funder of Alliance for Global Justice, a radical left-wing group that collected donations on behalf of the Occupy Wall Street movement. Vadim told the Daily Signal, adding, Alliance for Global Justice is now functioning as a fiscal sponsor for a group called Refuse Fascism that is heavily involved in the Disrupt J20 event. Its fiscal sponsor accepts donations on behalf of unincorporated or small groups and charges a modest administrative fee so that donors can deduct the donations from their taxes. Well, they are also involved with Indivisible and Crime Think. Crime Think is a big-time Antifa wing. They are the violent Antifa wing. They were involved with the Berkeley clashes, Charlottesville, Portland that happened not too long ago. And what is Democracy Alliance? They are a financial donor network of Wall Street hedge funds, labor unions, Hollywood stars and comedians, nonprofit collectives used to push a strong agenda. Founded in 2005, they raise 50 to 60 million a year for progressive causes. An overview of one of their meetings from Politico, George Soros and other rich billionaires who spent tens of millions of dollars trying to elect Hillary Clinton are gathering in Washington for a three-day closed-door meeting to retool the big money left to fight back against Donald Trump. The conference, which kicked off on a Sunday night at Washington's pricey Mandarin Oriental Hotel, is sponsored by the influential Democracy Alliance Donor Club and will include appearances by the leaders 
of most of the leading unions and liberal groups, as well as darlings of the left, such as House Democrat leader Nancy Pelosi, Senator Elizabeth Warren, and Congressional Progressive Caucus co-chairman Keith Ellison. Some sessions deal with gearing up for 2017 and 2018 elections, while others focus on thwarting President-elect's 100-day plan, which the agenda calls a terrifying assault on President Obama's achievements and our progressive vision for an equitable and just nation. Yet the meeting comes as many liberals are reassessing their approach to politics and the role of Democracy Alliance, or DA, as the club is known in Democrat finance circles. DA and its donors and beneficiary groups over the last decade have had a major hand in shaping the institutions of the left. By the way, tweet at the show, at Rants Out Loud or at Adrian Slade Show. Check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. And you can also email me, show content request, adriansladeshow at gmail.com. Now, we're going to get into the weeds on Democracy Alliance. This is an organization that Linda Sarsour spoke at, the Palestinian activist who wants Sharia law, who said basically, um, you know, some activists on the right that were affected by female genital mutilation are, you know, should have their vaginas taken away. This individual is a dangerous activist, and she is involved with marching against guns while being affiliated with the son or the father of the son who had the compound training kids to kill people with guns back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. From the Free Beacon, a group founded by liberal operative David Brock spoke of the need to force policy changes at Google Facebook and YouTube to combat the proliferation and fake news at the left's darkest, largest dark money conference, according to an agenda obtained by the Washington Free Beacon. Confidential documents previously obtained by the Free Beacon showed that Media Matters refers to right-leaning news sites when discussing fake news and that they had already consulted with a number of social media giants. The Democracy Alliance, a secretive group of deep-pocketed donors who each push thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars to progressive groups across the board, held their spring investment conference and at a, at a five-star intercontinental Buckhead Hotel in Atlanta. Meteor Matters President Angelo Curson spoke on the new tactics of the new challenge panel at the conference where he was joined by Bradley Bakoff, the president of American Bridge, another group founded by David Brock. Media Matters President Angelo Curson will describe the importance of mapping and understanding the fake news ecosystem and how forcing policy changes at Google, Facebook, and YouTube can prevent the proliferation of new fake news and suppress tactics online lead to the lead-up of the midterms. See, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with the fact that there is an organization that wants to shut down any sort of different thinking, and that is Media Matters. And Media Matters is under the umbrella of Democracy Alliance. Color of Change with FRSO is under the umbrella of Democracy Alliance. And they are the ones spurring the Black Lives Matter marches. 
And then you have the fact that Linda Sarsour, she is speaking at this event. She is the one heading up the Women's March. She is the one heading up the March for Our Lives. So she is setting the stage for gun control. But then at the same time, the person who that she, she is praising, his son is out there in a compound in New Mexico teaching kids to shoot at schools, teaching them to target schools for school shooting. I mean, one has to think that this entire thing is a ruse, and it could have been going on further. It could have been going on before we found out. This is something that, you know, in the Parkland um, shooting, yeah, he had an issue with a girl that he was infatuated with, but he also said, well, you know, you are bogged down by your politics. So who knows? I mean, one of the things we run into is the fact that there is a political motivation behind what he did, and the Broward County Sheriff just basically shut everything down, didn't let anyone intervene, didn't let anyone come to the rescue, and didn't let anyone who, uh, down to the shooter, who was looking for treatment years earlier, didn't even give him that option. So, I mean, are these shootings natural? I mean, all of these things come into focus when you think about what is the big goal. We've got the Russian collusion investigation on the inside with Peter Stroke and Lisa Page and, you know, all of these people on the inside trying to paint Donald Trump as this guy who is just covered in Russian collusion. But at the same time, what's going on from the outside with Valerie Jarrett and Obama and organizing for America and indivisible and Antifa attacking people in Portland and Berkeley and what have you, what's going on with everyone attacking on other areas such as um, an online presence, someone that is speaking truth and being shut down simply because they have a different view from what the majority has. Who knows? I mean, these are things we got to think about. But you see, Media Matters is a wing under Democracy Alliance. It's the same, you know, it's the same umbrella group that is fortifying care. It's the same umbrella group that is fortifying all of these other sub, you know, nonprofits to back their agenda. That's the thing we have to really worry about. The fact that, you know, you've got Color for Change that's going to back Black Lives Matter. You've got all these different organizations that are going to step up and get funded. Media Matters being the one who is going to attack somebody like Alex Jones, who is also under the umbrella of Democracy Alliance, who Linda Sarsour is going to go to bat for a, a guy whose son is building a training camp for people that are shooting or are tr wanting to train kids to shoot, you know, schools. 
I mean, that right there should be something that makes you go, what is happening? Is this some concerted effort to go ahead and take down the entire government? I mean, is this, a, is this something that you look at and go, okay, you've got all these different individuals. They might take down Obama's agenda. They might work against Valerie Jarrett and Obama and Organizing for America and Indivisible, who is backing crime, I think, who is backing Antifa, who is backing everything that's going on in Portland and Berkeley and all these violent protests. You have something going against the groundswell of what the voters actually wanted. I mean, if you think about it, you've got this person, Linda Sarsar, who is backing Sirhaj Wahab, who is the 1993 co-conspirator for the World Trade Center bombing. You've got this guy. <laughs> you've got her praising this guy. And you've got her backing an entire movement against anyone who was rightfully elected. I mean, to me, that is something that's going to be disturbing because you know what? That is saying it doesn't matter who was elected. We have to remove them because of the fact that we have to put into place the people who were rightfully put there for the fundamental transformation of America. You know, the people that were going to say, hey, you know, even though we rail against what you're trying to implement as far as uh, your faux socialism, your big government bloated uh, welfare program agenda that you want to base on your Nordic countries. Well, you're going to do this at the expense of the will of the people because they don't want this. They're voting like they did with Brexit over in England. All these people showed up and said, you know what? I don't want this. And we're going to vote to make this not a reality because it was forced upon us for eight years under Obama. But we have to look at the fact that we have people being purged from conservative media. We have people being purged from social media for just being conservative. We have all these people being shadow banned and being deplatformed and being, you know, demonetized, whether it's Benjamin Owens or if it's, uh, you know, Steven Crowder or, you know, crazy Alex Jones. We have all this stuff going on that are silencing those on the right. But no one's doing that on the left. And then at the same time, we have organizations like Media Matters under the wing of Democracy Alliance, who has people speaking for them like Linda Sarsour and George Soros and George Soros's sons. And Linda Sarsour is also the person who is making, you know, great amends with Sirhaj Wahab, who is the guy whose son is training kids in New Mexico to shoot up schools. And then we have incidents like Parkland happen. And all of a sudden we're supposed to say, oh, well, you know, it was just, you know, this disgruntled kid who was just not given the attention that he needed. And he took out a, sh a whole school. Really? I mean, do we have to sit here and think Vegas and Parkland and all these school shootings were just happenstance events or were they groomed?
similar to what we have in New Mexico. I don't know. It's one of the situations that we have to look at and go, is this a part of the bigger disruption of the Trump administration through Democracy Alliance, through, you know, disrupting the cabinet, disrupting people in Berkeley and Portland and wherever? I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen to us every weekend on Mojo Five O, the new platform for libertarian, conservatarian, conservative talk on Dash Radio as well. Also, check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Spotify, and various other podcast platforms. Get the free Roku channel in your streaming store. Also, you can donate patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show, $2 a month or whichever amount you wish. You can also check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. We'll see you guys next time.